The Blue Jays are beginning the second half with a sweep of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Let's celebrate here in this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 117 of Buds and Blue Jays. This is your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. We are back just like the Toronto Blue Jays are back. We took the time from the All-Star break to relax ourselves, to recharge. Neither of us were hitting dingers like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was at the home run derby. But Riley, we are rested. We are ready to go for the second half. How what was your All-Star break? What did you get up to? Uh, work, Jesse, just as the most normal humans do uh, during the work week. Not much change, of course. There's less viewing on television and things like that. So um, evenings are a little less eventful. However, I did make my first trip up to the Rogers Center on oh, Saturday. Excellent. And let me tell you, man, absolutely blown away. I t- tweeted out from my personal account. It looks like when you unlock everything in your ballpark at MVP 2005, like the <laughs> sections of yep. the 500, like the social spots. It's very cool, man. I mean, this is a stadium that's been around since 1989 and has had few work done on it in, you know, 30 plus years. So the fact that, you know, we took the time in the offseason, did the renovations, looks great, man. And I'm a big fan of seeing the fences as a whole. Um, it's a very mm-hmm. modern look. Uh, it's a very modern ballpark, elevated bullpens. Like, it's it's very cool, man. It's a very cool ballpark. I didn't know how I felt about it, seeing it live, man. It's 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 amazing. Roger Center looks fantastic. And just think, Riley, there are more renovations coming as we get into the offseason, so it'll be even more to experience as the seasons go on here. But today on the show, we're not going to talk anymore about the stadium. We have to talk about the series that was against the Arizona Diamondbacks, including some standout performances on both the offensive side and defensive side of the ball. And plus, we're going to take a look at ahead at the trade deadline. It is now uh, July the 16th. The trade deadline is a little over two weeks away, Riley. So we're not necessarily going to look at players yet, but we're going to try to address what the team needs are and try to set up a framework for what the Blue Jays are going to look like over the next two weeks heading into the trade deadline. Always, always, always an important part of the season to see what pieces we can get in here as we go ahead and make our playoffs push. But first, before we dive any deeper, this is episode 117 of Buds and Blue Jays. So if you've been tagging along with us for 117 episodes, please like the video subscribe to the channel and thank you for your viewership and all that stuff as we've been doing it your blue jay stats of the day for number 117 well we're going with my guy that is nate pearson that is his era plus on the year is 117 117 was also carlos delgado's blue jays high in run scored in a season it is also vernon wells rbi high total and it is also justin smokes home run total as a blue jay 117 so a lot of good blue jays from the mid 2000s on there with the number 117 and to accumulate your war leader awards number 117 in hitter war for the blue jays is a guy by the name of mike stanley who played just 98 games for the blue jays in 1998 and number 117 in pitching war is a little more recent, Riley. That is actually Chris Bassett has moved up to number 117 and all-time Blue Jays pitching war in just as half a season with the Blue Jays. So anything catch your attention there, Riley, before we move into our game recaps? Couldn't tell you who Mike Stanley is yeah, in no all idea. honesty. Um, yeah, Bassett, we should probably know. Good t- good for him. He'll crack the top 100 here uh, very shortly, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big power number. Like, you want to talk about power. Delgado, Wells had some pop as well uh, for a time. And Justin Smoke um, was there for what we'll call the dark era. So, I mean... Just good, good Jays names to touch on, of course. Um, yeah, 117 episodes in, man, and still a lot of baseball left. Like you said, 
uh, coming real close to the trade deadline. So let's dive in, man. Let's let's talk about this series. All right. First, let's start about the series that was against the Arizona Diamondbacks. As mentioned, the Blue Jays got a sweep in game one of this series. The Blue Jays win this game by a score of seven to two. And the Jays got off to a hot start as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit a home run in his first at bat after winning the home run derby. The first player ever to do that. The Jays added another run on a Kevin Kiermaier sack fly to take a 2-0 lead. Brios did allow a run all thanks to a wild pitch in the fourth, but it stayed that way until the seventh inning when old friend Gabriel Moreno hit a home run off Trevor Richards to tie the game. But the Blue Jays then responded with a five spot of their own, batting around in the inning. Whit Merrifield had a two-run single being the big hit in that inning. Nate Pearson and Jay Jackson shut the door to seal the five-run win. In game two, the Blue Jays kept it going again. They win this game 5-2. to two. Chris Bassett had his start pushed up, and he pitched well in this this one, six innings pitch, seven hits, two earned runs, no walks, five strikeouts. George Springer had a great at-bat that ended with him hitting a bases-loaded two-run single off National League All-Star starter Zach Gallen. The D-backs ended up scoring two in the fifth on what was a very close call at first base. But Whit Merrifield responded with a home run of his own to give the Blue Jays a lead, and that was all they needed. Bo Bichette added some insurance, and with Jordan Romano unavailable, Eric Swanson, Nate Pearson, and Jimmy Garcia got the job done. And in Game 3, the game that took place afternoon, the Jays completed the sweep. They won this game 7-2. Five. The Blue Jays were actually down two nothing early as Yusei Kikuchi battled his command a little bit. He was able to go four and two thirds, solid innings, three walks though, but only two hits allowed. The Blue Jays got two in the uh, second inning thanks to a Santiago Espinal double. And he was later brought in on a Kevin Kiermeyer single. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had a sack fly, and it stayed that way until the Blue Jays blew it open thanks to a Danny Jansen bases-loaded double, and who was later brought in through a hit by Dalton Varsho. The Jays made it interesting in the ninth inning but ultimately they were able to get the job done and seal the victory. So after this series, Riley, and after the sweep, the Blue Jays have now won seven of their last eight games. We're on a little four-game winning streak here. We are now six games back in the division. We are in the second wild card spot firmly. We're still five games back of the Orioles as they have won eight games in a row, and we are one and a half now clear of Houston, who is playing right now currently against um, the Angels, and we'll see how things shape up at the end of that. But Riley, lots of player performances to talk about. What caught your attention the most in this series against Arizona? So what has caught my attention for the last month? I'm going to say the last month, the player that has caught my attention and caught my eye has been Whit Merrifield. Mm-hmm. So um, at the game Saturday, Whit, I, I think I was the first one. I, I want to say, like, there's a lot of, you know, who stands up first on a home run. As soon as okay. that ball left, as soon as that ball left the bat, the words out of my mouth were, it's going to be close. Okay. Yeah. And it doesn't get much closer than <laughs> one bounce and then it, into the bullpen. It I, was I, a wall I, scraper. I, I promise you those were the words out of my mouth. I don't know the people around me, but they can probably confirm. Uh, Whit Merrifield, I mean, has compiled some extra base hits over the last, I don't know, little while. I say, I say month, but man, like, this is this is incredible. This is what the Jays need. Whit Merrifield, we've seen him bat at the top of the order um, pre-All-Star break and now kind of slotted in towards the bottom of the order, but still producing like he like he should and like he was. Whit Merrifield's one of those unique players um, and on the base pass as well, an elite speedster. And still, I mean, played some second base, played some outfield in this series. The versatility of Whit Merrifield is also fantastic. 
Yeah, Riley, two-hit wit is officially back. Not only did he hit a six-home one of the season, which you mentioned, he had two more hits in two of the games of the series. In fact, Riley, he's had two or more hits in six of his last eight games. Now, he's not an exit velocity monster or anything, but he has quietly been one of the Blue Jays' most productive hitters over the last few days. Riley, I was having dinner with my parents tonight. And the first thing my mom talks about is how Whit Merrifield needs to be in top of the order. Like, I kind of like him hitting fifth, right? But he doesn't really have that power you need. Like, if he's going to hit a home run like he did in this series, it's likely going to be that wall scraper type. But he is so good at getting bat on ball and driving things through. Like, I almost want to see him maybe right behind Springer in the two hole or something. Just get him up there so we can really use that skill set that Whit Merrifield has a little more. And it's great because he does have that versatility, Jesse. I agree with I agree with Miss Mary DeMille, though. Yes. She is a smart woman who knows her baseball. And yeah, one, two is is a great spot for him. And honestly, six and seven, depending on like who's on the bump for the opponent. Um, it, it, I think it really doesn't matter. He hits wherever he, he can. He's been on a hot streak. So, yeah, if we bump him up for the next series. I wouldn't be surprised. We've seen it. I, we've seen it happen in the last little while. So why not, Jesse? We need to put our hot hitters in a situation, in a spot where they can get on base. And, well, hey, Vladdy had a home run in the series. Maybe he gets that with Whit Merrifield on base, put a couple runs on the board. That's that's baseball. You know, you want to score as many runs as you can. And Whit has been a great run producer, arguably one of our better run scorers um, in the lineup over the past month. I will say, too, over the last 14 days, Riley, his four home runs lead the Blue Jays, his 12 RBIs lead the Blue Jays, his 183 WRC plus for Whit Merrifield leads the Blue Jays and has accumulated half a win in just that 14-day period for Whit Merrifield. So an absolute heater that he is on. Riley, I want to touch about another player that really had a good series, and that is George Springer, Riley. And I want to talk specifically about his second at-bat he had in Game 2, where he came up with a bases loaded. And rather, this might have been one of the most impressive at-bats I've seen George Springer have so far this year. He took the first pitch changeup right below the zone. And if you look at the numbers, like George Springer does kind of struggle against changeup, but when that pitch starts to strike, dips low, just below the zone, and you take it comfortably, that's how you know you're locked in. Like As soon as I saw that take, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. His next pitch was a cutter. He swung. He looked really good. Third pitch was a changeup that was bounced. He took it easy. The fourth pitch, Riley, on a 2-1 count here was a cutter right on the edge of the zone. It was called a strike, but the way George Springer kind of jumped back, reacted, you knew he was seeing that pitch so well. And then he gets the curveball that he hadn't seen yet in the account in that bat, and he just drives it into left field down the line for a two-run single. Thoroughly impressed by the George Springer at bat. And not only that, Riley, he had a great swim move when sliding into second base. And I think the swim move, Riley, might be one of my favorite plays to watch in baseball. Like, the play used to always be if the ball beats you to the base, it doesn't matter where you're going to be out. But no, now that like replay is here and they can really see this, the swim move sliding into base has been fantastic. And George Springer pulled it out perfectly in this series. He gets two thumbs up from me, man. I'm very impressed with what I saw from George Springer. And it seems like he's starting to really turn a corner here. I do love a good swim slide as well. Of course, uh, both. Bichette drown um, on getting thrown <laughs> out by Lourdes Gurriel Jr. at second base. Uh, yeah, don't run on Lourdes. You should know that. He's got one of, the more, yep. the, one of the most accurate arms from the corner fields. Um, hey, man, this is a George Springer that has been on this team for a while. This is a veteran ball player. This is a guy who has hit in the leadoff spot almost his entire career. Um, 
And he's done a fantastic job again this season. And I was really worried again coming into this year and yada, 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 father time, whatever, man. This has been great. Him playing the corner outfield, first of all, defensively in the corner field, he's done fantastic. And he's really saving himself in a way, man, because it feels like this is a different energy from George Springer. Um, and he's just, he's been a spark plug, man. That's what you call a guy like that. He's been an absolute spark plug. And yeah. Uh, very patient at bat, getting the right pitch, pulling the ball, driving in a couple runs in a crucial spot in the ball game to put runs on the board. Yeah, Jesse doesn't get better than that. Smart hitting, I, I mean, it's so important. It's great when you can mash a ball 450 feet every other at bat. Sometimes you got to take some smart ABs and go where the pitch is. And yeah, if you can pull one down the line and cash in some runs, and George Springer did that in that at bat. And um, it ended up being an extremely big hit. George Springer is a very smart ball player. And there's really no, really no tell on, you know, what he can still do for the season. Because I, I think George still has more of the tank as far as actual power numbers, of course, extra base hits and doubles. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. He can go on a power tear at any time. This is George Springer we're talking about, man. And um Putting a uh, one spot on the board with a leadoff home run is something that he is very capable of doing, and I wouldn't be surprised if he, uh, you know, supplies some more power um, as far as hitting home runs in the next little while. The power is coming, Riley. He hit a baseball 93.5 miles per hour today. He hit another one, a 104.9, and then one 109.1. The exit velocity is in that bat from George Springer, which means he's healthy and means he's mashing. He's going to have a monster second half of the season for the Toronto Blue Jays, assuming he stays healthy, of course. And one more player I wanted to give some love to, and that is Chris Bassett, Riley. Now, his start was pretty good. We read the stat line earlier into the game recaps here. I like the fact that he was told just the night before um, his start that he was going to go in and pitch, right? So he's kind of just thrown on the loop and he went out and he looked really good. I also liked he was really throwing that uh, that sinker he throws that starts at the lefties and cuts over the plate. He was using that pitch to get ahead a lot in this start. And I know as a left-handed hitter, that's some of the toughest pitches to look for. Even as a right-handed hitter, you give up on it. And Chris Bassett has been able to take some cheap strikes. And I was going through the list here. Chris Bassett has had some real good starts and some real bad starts. But here are a list of pitchers that Chris Bassett has started against and has beaten, got a W against these pitchers. And there are some big names on this list, Riley. Garrett Cole, Spencer Strider, Framber Valdez, Justin Verlander, Zach Gallen. Chris Bassett has been matched up against each single one of those pitchers, and he got the win in every single one of those. So that's what the big dog does here, Riley. That's what the hound is here for. Go out, give your team a chance to win, and Chris Bassett has done that again here in this series. When you go up against an all-star pitcher, never mind an all-star, the starting all-star pitcher, um, and just a fresh one at that, that's a big That's a big honor for any pitcher do and you find out the night before that you're pitching you know in a pretty pretty important game second day after you know you just came off a win you want to start you know the second half strong and hey if it weren't for and i have no problem with you know to, our team played perfect uh, not perfect defense in this series but we played very good defensively all around the board i had a little bit of a gripe when um, Belt fielded that ball instead of Bassett on that play that basically scored two runs. Um, oh, yeah, the D-backs, the, yeah. the D-backs have an extremely fast team, and it ended up costing them two earned runs. But, I mean, his, his pitching was absolutely fantastic. I mean, as much as we were Gallon 
in his pitch count. Uh, Chris Bassett was a workhorse in this one and threw a ton of pitches again and six innings. I mean, he could have gone longer, but his pitch count was up there. Um, another start. I'm very, very comfortable with what Bassett has done. Another outing where he goes and gives up some fairly soft contact. Uh, you know, the D-backs don't necessarily have guys like us that are going to have that 110 exit velocity, you know, on just kind of like that. We have probably four or five guys who can really do that. Uh, the D-backs, though, as speedy as they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was another quality start by Chris Bassett and well-deserved, man. Absolutely well-deserved. Chris Bassett has, you know, maybe not the flashiest guy but certainly a get-the-job-done kind of pitcher, and I like that, and I like what Chris Bassett has done with the Blue Jays. He's a grinder, and Blue Jays fans, well, all Toronto sports fans for that matter, have really loved the guys that just show up and grind and compete, and Chris Bassett fits that to a T. Right, I'm just going to roll through the rest of these notes here. I'm just going to spit them off. If something catches your attention, stop me, and we'll sit and talk about it here. But Matt Chapman, your guy, had three hits in game one and reached base four times in that one. Brandon Belt followed of his own. He had three hits and two walks in the first two games of the series there. Yusei Kikuchi did struggle a little bit. Two hits allowed is great, but did have three walks. I also want to say Yusei Kikuchi didn't look very happy when John Schneider came out and pulled him out of his start today. Um, Someone who did look good, though, is Jay Jackson, who has now pitched nine innings for the Blue Jays this season. He has an ERA of one and the XFIP and FIP numbers kind of fall in line with that. He looks like he could be a guy. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit his home run, as we mentioned, his 14th on the season. Bo Bichette hit another home run in this series to give his 16th of the season. Danny Jansen had a really big RBI triple in here or RBI double to clear three bases. He might be one of the most underrated players on the season here. And since the start of the last road trip, Jimmy Garcia now has two saves for the Toronto Blue Jays. And Nate Pearson, Riley, has now gone eight straight appearances without allowing an earned run. Good to see after Nate Pearson had that little blip he had and down in Miami there. So, Riley, a lot of players I threw at you there. Give me one or two that caught your attention the most. Perfect. I'll give you two, and I'll just add on to uh, add on to two different things. So first sure. things first. Let's start with your guy Nate Pearson. As I just got back from the washroom, um, I just uh, you texted me, tell him to stop walking, guys. Jesse, <laughs> yeah. you that text might have came in, and then four seconds later he picks off a runner. Yeah, beautiful. So it, 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 yeah. it didn't matter anyways. And the next one, you want to talk about a guy that wasn't happy getting taken out of the game? I know Kikuchi wasn't, but same goes with Jose Barrios. He mm-hmm. was not happy about getting pulled man and again another that the situation that calls for with the track record of brios he was in a, a little bit of trouble the cushion a lot of base lead, runners in the start the yeah. the, the, the cushiony lead wasn't there yet i mean it was it was one of those things where you got to be managed smart i mean of course you want to see brios going out and pitch six innings he ended up going five and a third but he still had a really good line and it was the right call to make it's a thing where, where he'll get over it. Of course, you know, the, you love to see a guy get emotional because he wants to go out there and compete. He wants that. Those are my base runners. I want to get, you know, take them, either get them off the, the base pass or, you know, tur- turn a double play or, or strike out the next two or whatever. So, I mean, hey, our pitchers have gone and competed. We had a great run differential in this series as well, Jesse. Again, yep. if it weren't for the Mitch White three earned runs in game three, I mean, we're, we're looking at three games where we allowed two runs, and that's that's what you call good quality starting pitching, and I'd love to see it. It was a fantastic series, man. It was both ways. It was fantastic series. Now, base running didn't go as smoothly in a lot of different cases, um, but hey, you know what? We – and we – 
airs i could say the same thing about the diamondbacks they made some dumb plays and i'll also add too i i just while i'm on topic of things that didn't go right i felt really bad for Cattell Marte. um oh, this yes. is one of the first first games i've i i mean clearly he's not a second baseman i know he has the utility attached to his name but he looks much better as a as an outfielder than he did at second base. That was just not good. Felt felt a little bit bad from because he's one of the better players in the game. But yeah, Jesse, Eddie, like all in all, man, it was a great series. It was a fantastic series, and it felt good to sweep that one. Everything was so earned in it, man. And it was a full 26-man effort. Absolutely great, great way to start um, our second half, man. Yeah, Blue Jays sweep the first series out of the All-Star break for the third straight season. The Blue Jays have had really good second halves each of the last two years, and we got to hope the Blue Jays have another really good second half. We're only six games back of the AL East, man, so we need to really keep that going. Um, some injury updates here, Riley. Just on a scale of 1 to 10, I want you to tell me your concern level on either of these. Jordan Romano, as you mentioned, was pulled from the All-Star game due to lower back tightness, and he was not available at all in this series. He did not pitch. And then Kevin Gosman, Riley, his start was pushed back. We were going to push it to the Padres series, but the Blue Jays just announced their probable pitchers for next series and Gosman isn't in that either with an oblique injury they're both considered day-to-day Riley scale of one to ten on both those guys how concerned are you about their injuries it's both a five it's a five for both of them of course Jesse you want to have you want to have your best guy in the bullpen ready in a, in a safe situation or high leverage situation of course and you want to have your ace available you know every fifth day um, but the thing is man if they're both day-to-day like take those take those days um to heal because this is i mean you're talking about obliques you're talking about back these are injuries that could get worse if they're not treated properly so i have no problem with this move of course it sucks when you you know when you don't have your best arguably be arguably your best two pitchers um coming out of the pen or starting a ball game so yeah i mean five is a concern but i also really like how the the rest of the bullpen has been our higher leverage guys. And again, goes back to how our starters pitched in this one. Yes, Kikuchi lacked a little bit of control. But other than that, man, our pitchers were fantastic. So, yeah, of course, you want to see both of them back. But let's just see how it goes. It'd take the time to heal so it's not a prolonged injury. Yeah, and I guess both these guys, too, were on pace for season high in innings pitch totals. So I think even just a little bit of a rest might go a long way because we're going to rely heavily on both these players as we go into the postseason here. Um, some other some prospect notes or some things that are happening down on the farm, Riley. Chad Green, his next time out, will be facing live hitters in a rehab assignment. Hunjin Ryu looked good in his rehab assignment in Buffalo. Riley, five innings pitch, one earned run, three hits, no walks, five Ks. He threw 66 pitches, 46 of them were strikes. I'd imagine he's going to get one more rehab start in Buffalo before the Blue Jays have to make a decision on whether or not to call him into the starting rotation and put him on the roster. And then some prospect stuff, Riley. Brandon Barriera became a rehab assignment as well. He pitched two clean innings, getting three ground balls and two strikeouts in the seven batters he faced. And some prospect placements, Riley. Ricky Tiedemann is expected to return to New Hampshire in about three weeks. So you have three weeks on the Ricky Tiedemann timeline. Orelvis Martinez is expected to get a promotion. He will be joining the Buffalo Bison sometime soon. And a name we have not mentioned on this podcast, Riley, is 2022 third-round pick Alan Roden. He has an 861 OPS in Dunedin. He is being promoted up to New Hampshire, Riley. And one more note, I guess, the Blue Jays are actually releasing their veteran catcher, Rob Brantley, who's been the primary starting catcher for the Buffalo Bisons this year. Just interesting choice, I guess. I guess we're going to rely on Taylor Heideman now to be our really true third-string catcher here. Anything of those catch your attention? Um, yeah, I, you said Brantley. Um, I have no idea. Um, if you know off the top, that's great. Reminds me of another one. Never even played in a major league game. Patrick Cantwell, I think, mm. is his He name. played in the majors. 
Did he play in the majors? Well, good so. for him. I definitely remember him as an older veteran backup catcher. Um, man, Barry era is another thing. And when you said that the weight is a concern and I was having kind of Manoa flashbacks that um, we got to be really careful with this, with this guy, which is a little bit why I wanted to. And we did um, take a position player in the first round um, sure, because uh, like, Hey, I, I really, let's be honest, Jesse, the track record of the Toronto blue Jays, for our starting pitchers have not really panned out as far as the ones we've drafted. We've had to look um, almost elsewhere. Of course, Gosman, you know, wasn't, was drafted in our division and, and played with Baltimore and went on to have a, an illustrious season with the giants before coming here. Um, and then you look at a guy who we drafted like Ricky Romero, who really, um, you know, had a quick spark and then just kind of fizzled out from there. So, you know, young pitchers, man, anything can happen. Let those players develop, uh, before bringing them in. Of course, I, I still will stick to that Manoa was ready. That's a whole other conversation. A whole, a whole other animal. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, man, um, like ha- being a strong, healthy pitcher with a good mindset is going to be successful. And I think that I think that we're all learning, Jesse, and you've done this in your life over the past year and a half, and you've done a great job at it and, and you know, changing your lifestyle and yeah. you uh, feel better because of it. So, I mean, when it's a matter of, you know, body versus mind you know i mean body's still important in the game of baseball so i mean uh you know especially when you're starting pitcher man not that i we were ever pitchers jesse but uh to get to the higher levels you really got to um figure it out and really take on the form of an athlete you know i'm not saying you got to be real trim or anything like that but you got to be in good shape and got to have the stamina got to have the wind yeah that'll be the storyline for the off season for sure when we get into that and we'll talk about that more as manoa makes more starts riley good call on patrick cantwell he played uh 40 games in 2018 for the Blue Jays AAA team and 22 in 2019, a name that it went right over my head. So, man, you've got the knowledge of the minor leagues there for that one. Uh, Riley, let's talk about trade deadline a little bit. We've got about five to ten minutes left in our episode here, and we really should divulge into what the team needs are for the Toronto Blue Jays. Like, we don't have to discuss certain players right now, but, like, what is this team missing to get going to another uh, to the higher level of where we want to go in the postseason? So off the top of your head, Riley... If you can only give me one, you can only give me two. That's fine. But tell me, what does this team need going into the trade deadline? So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna dissect this for a sec. Let's start with okay. We got Varsho, we got Kiermaier, we got Springer. Our outfield is good, and you look at our infield and the platoon of guys that can play second base and possibly an outfield spot. Matt Chapman's not going anywhere. Bo Bichette's not going anywhere. Of course, Vlad isn't. Um, our catcher tandem is is still very strong. Yeah, um, I, I I believe that that I, I don't think I think that what happened with Moreno getting moved this this is the this these are the two catches we're going to finish the year out. Um, I don't even think I needed to say the position players. I just wanted to basically say it so listeners and viewers can realize that our position players are great and they just need to perform. Now let's go to the other side of the ball, Jesse, and talk about pitchers because this is the whole conversation. This is the whole conversation. For me, it has nothing to do with the eight guys, the eight position players. This has to do with starting pitching and reliable bullpen. And I want to first and foremost say that Alec Manoa has given us a huge scare and we're we're really just still trying to feel this thing out with Alec Manoa. Gosman, 
I, I believe, knock on wood again, Jesse, I believe that Gosman's going to recover and still produce a, a fantastic season that's going to get him Cy Young votes. Yep, that, is, with that is my hope. That is my dream. Kikuchi will stay in the rotation. I think he's done a fine, serviceable job for a five guy. Asset and Barrios as well. Um, so so would, where, do, where do we fit? What do we do? So we, where do we fit? We got to find our numbers. What was Manoa supposed to be to us? He was supposed to be our number one or two guy. Can we find a number one or two guy? I doubt it, but I want to find someone along the lines of like a Chris Bassett. I think that's what I want more than anything right now. That is my number one. I will, I will look up 10 pitchers for next episode sure. that I could call that I could comp, but um, that's really what I want. I think that is, that is achievable. I think the price is still going to be a little bit steep, but I don't think we have to break the bank. I don't think we have to destroy the future for it. Um, as far as our bullpen goes, again, hoping everything is repairing with Romano just fine. I really like what our bullpen has done. We didn't mention, like, Mesa has been amazing. We haven't, I don't know when the last time we said Tim Mesa, but I want to just throw him his name yeah, in he's there. Been fantastic. Again because he's been good. Garcia, again, Richards, even though he had a little bit of a clunk. Uh, Trevor Richards has been great. So more than a bullpen even, because I still believe in Chad Green and what he can do on the Hill. And I really, I, I'm putting a lot of eggs in that basket by saying that because we have not seen him pitch um, this year. Um, I, I still believe he can compete, though, at the major league level and be an impact arm for this Blue Jays team. And whether that be, you know, a sixth, seventh inning guy or a guy that could possibly swap in and out with Eric Swanson, I don't know. It's really, it's really up for grabs, man. There's a lot to still be determined in, in what Green's going to do. But honestly, man, if it's not bullpen, I would really like to go starting pitching. I think that's really going to help us. You look at what this team is. We have to compete with our division. I truly believe that, man. I mean, we need to. I, yes, wild cards are nice, Jesse, but it's nothing is out of reach yet. And we got, you know, two, two and a half weeks, two weeks till the deadline. And then we got Jesse after that. It's still two months of ball. Yes. There's still two months yeah. of ball. So we need, I, I mean, it's 60 days is still fairly long term when talking about the dog days of August and then into September. We, I still want a, uh, you know, Bassett would never call him a for sure thing, but we need something along those lines. For me, that that is my number one kind of want for this team. And I think it's going to vastly improve the quality of starting pitching um on this team and and really and at the end of the day increase our chance to win ball games because we have quality starts from uh, from decent starting pitching and really at the end of the day that's all you want right like the old adage in baseball is you can never have enough pitching like pitchers are just a walking injury risk somebody is going to get hurt and you need to have the depth the blue jays don't have a ton of pitching depth right now so i do think that is the priority number one but here's my stance on the trade deadline or how the Blue Jays shape up going there right now. It's tough, Riley, because if you do add another starter, right? Right now, the Blue Jays kind of have six starters and Hunjin Ryu is in that mix to go in there. So if you do trade for a starter, you have to take one out and put him into the bullpen. So I don't know if Hunjin Ryu is going to be a long relief guy or if you say Kikuchi goes back to the bullpen, like it's not going to be Bassett, Gosman or Brios, I don't think. So whoever you get, somebody has to move from the rotation to the bullpen. And then you think, okay, if that is happening, 
then that's another arm into the pen. And if we want another high leverage reliever, Riley, it's going to be tough because one, you already mentioned Green's coming back. We already have a pen of Jordan Romano, Eric Swanson, Trevor Richards, Nate Pearson, Tim Meza, Jimmy Garcia. And that is with guys like Zach Pop, who's back and healthy now pitching for Buffalo just because there isn't a spot in the Toronto bullpen for him right now. And Adam Simber still on the mend. I don't think you can add someone like that unless you literally DFA or trade somebody else off of your big league roster. I do think there is a chance we see some of these bullpen arms traded or cut or something out there to try to get a spot in. And then the only other things I can really think about, Riley, is maybe you get a bullpen catcher just to replace Rob Brantley, someone who could come in and be like a third string guy in case Jansen or Kirk gets hurt. I do really think the Blue Jays are going to do that. It's just it's not going to be a sexy name. It's going to be a career backup, like a Luke Maley type, something like that. Um, I think I'm with you, Riley. I don't think the Blue Jays can add another infielder because Espinal, Biggio, and Whit Merrifield are kind of taking that spots. And guys like Ernie Clement and Addison Barger down in the minors, like I don't think there's room for another infielder. The only one that really makes sense to me, Riley, is if we add another bench outfielder, the guy who could take like Nathan Lucas's spot on the roster, maybe a guy who has some power. We did get a report that the Blue Jays have been interested in like Nelson Cruz type. And that's what I think it's going to be when we get a tough lefty. You take one of Kiermaier or Varsho out of the lineup, a guy who can play good outfield and maybe run into a home run. But Riley, it's to me, on the outside looking in, it doesn't sound like the Blue Jays are going to make a ton of moves here at the deadline, or we're not going to get that splashy move for what it's worth without trading somebody currently off the 40-man roster. So do you have a thought on any of that? That's what I'm Jesse, saying. Jesse, I'm going to throw out two names right okay. this second. The first one, Jesse, to basically kind of fill in what you said and this isn't for defense this is for this is just to add another bat brent rooker is probably going to be dealt um here very very shortly um i think that's i think that's a great possibility and i think that'll be another good bat in the lineup really not a good defender jesse uh corner outfielder at best but the one i know um, that has been talked about. I don't know who, because I've seen it a bunch of times. Is there's a team in the in the National League Central called the St. Louis Cardinals? There's a yeah, I heard of good them. chance they'll they'll be selling now, and they will might. There's a good chance they could be selling pitchers. There's a there's a great arm who I have had immaculate faith in. And if you asked me four years ago, I had him as a future Cy Young, probably. Jack Flaherty is a guy. That would be amazing for the Toronto Blue Jays. In fact, if I'm screwing around playing MLB the show and he hits free agency, you bet your butt I'm picking up Jack Flaherty because I just think that the sky is the ceiling with that guy. He's struggled with injuries, but there there is a, as you say, like non-zero chance that we could land an arm like that. Yeah, I, I don't hate it. He's just got to get the walks down. But if you can find a way to limit the walks from Jack Flaherty, that is the type of guy, the guy who does have the good upside, the guy who could do some swing and miss. I don't like that. But Riley, I like your Brent Rooker call the most, I think. That seems to me the perfect fit of a guy here. A guy who's got a lot of power, a lot of swing and miss, right? But a guy who you perfectly want on your postseason roster if he has to get everyday playing time, so be it. But a guy who is totally fine can come in and mash some lefties, Riley. That is a good name. And I think the Blue Jays should try to expand for that going towards this trade deadline. Of course, I. <laughs> this is the time of the year, Jesse. Where uh, I mean, as much as we have about zero percent pull with what happens with these moves, mm-hmm. but uh, guys can dream. And um, the next time we come on here, I'll probably have two more names, and you'll have three names, and we'll go from there until the deadline hits. And of course, anything could happen between now and then. I think I honestly think that this has been a very 
slow year as far as transactions for the Blue Jays. I'm surprised we have not made um, any sort of real splash. Yeah, hey, they've been healthy. They haven't really yeah, had to. Right? We like, and again, again though. I mean, I always, I'm all about if we're a contender, we got, we we have to at least make an attempt to improve our roster. Um, before, you know, before this month is done, because we, you know, I don't know what kind of impact player we can get, but we should really look for one. We need to be a serious contender. We're in a really tough division. It's a dogfight. And I would like to see us have success, not only in the regular season, but in the postseason as well. And that comes down to our stars performing. And, and we'll see if we'll see what kind of, you know, schemes our GMs can think up. And, and we'll go from there, Jesse. Again, all we can do is talk about it and wait and see what happens. Yeah, it's interesting. We're going to do a little more trade deadline stuff every episode until the trade deadline actually does come here with more ideas, more players. We haven't even talked about any of the prospects the Jays could deal with yet. So we've got to talk about all that. But we are running out of time for this episode here. I just want to say, guys, please like the video, subscribe to the channel, all that fun stuff. If you are a passionate Blue Jays fan like Riley and I, stick along with us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We're going to be posting more content on there soon. Soon. I swear it's going to happen. Just toss us a follow until the content starts rolling through. Uh, we're going to, we got a lot of good stuff that we want to do, Riley. Maybe some cool little off season things or some games you and I can play. We'll, we're going to figure that out as we go. Um, but please, yeah, like the video, subscribe to the channel, all that good stuff, Riley. Anything else you want to add before we call our an episode here today? Yeah, the games. Um, so if you're a baseball psycho like Jesse and I, look up Immaculate Grid. It is a yeah, fantastic. I'm just look. I'm looking at my past results. I think I've played about six or seven games, and I've only had one nine for nine game. Mm. Um, today I couldn't think of an Angels and Sox player, and I still can't. Don't tell me. Leave a comment. And yeah, I don't care. Let our fans comment and scream at me for not remembering <laughs> that. But I did. I did do okay. And uh, of course, for those of you watching, for those of you listening, just trust me when I say uh, I have the Chappie Couture shirt. Yes. Uh, there was yes. a giveaway. I was one of the lucky first 20,000 that received one. This is probably the last time you viewers will see this shirt because I, I and it's not plain white or black if you or a uh, college hoodie so i probably won't be wearing this shirt again i just thought you know what let's let's get fancy and it is a matt chapman giveaway so of course you got to be there for something like that man but um hey you know what not my thing looks great the chest tear necklace you know, it's uh, it's it's one thing. It's not. It's definitely not the most flattering thing that I could be wearing. Yep. So that'll do it for episode here today, guys. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We will see you after the Padres series this week. So a day off on Monday. I guess we will be back on Thursday to recap the episode. Until then, guys, let's go Blue Jays and let's have a good week. Ooh, thanks, guys.